They say she can sway an election. With truly the touch of a button, Taylor Swift is uniquely situated to use the data at her disposal to impact the presidential race. Save a country from recession with her Swiftonomics. The pop star will contribute almost $140 million to the local economy. She just keeps breaking records. Her tour is estimated to have generated $5 billion in consumer spending in the U.S. alone. She was Spotify's top-streamed artist of the year with 26.1 billion global streams. Universities all over the world teach classes about her. And right now, ahead of the star's Australian tour beginning on Friday, academics are meeting for this. Swifties in Australia have a reason to be excited. Next February, the impact of Taylor Swift will be poured over by academics at a major but still highly unusual Swift Posium. Discussing all things Tay Tay. The so called Swift Posium runs from this Sunday to Tuesday at the University of Melbourne. The conference coincides with her sold out Eras tour. Scholars attending the event are artists submit papers on Swift's impact on the music industry, social movements, the economy, and more. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on The Detail, the Taylor Swift obsession and why we can't dismiss her as just another pop icon. The Swifties are here to stay, making Swiftonomics a game changer for the world stage. I'm talking to two AUT academics who have tailorised their own work and are at the Swift Posium. In fact... One of them is a co-organiser. I am Dr Rebecca Trelease. I am a senior lecturer in the School of Communication Studies and I teach on the first year compulsory papers. So um, while they're quite uh, set courses in terms of the skills and the knowledge that we need students to know, I will kind of bend the knowledge more towards how do we uh understand these concepts from a tailor lens and how this this theory or this example in particular can be tailorized. And I'm Angela Sunshin. I'm also a lecturer here at AUT. I teach a lot of the web media online strategy type papers um, and I use Taylor Swift quite often as a case study, especially when it comes to online strategy. Um, and my master's is currently on her um, well, she's my major case study. Um, and, and I mean, we, we kind of laugh about this, but it's actually, it, it's a serious topic because she has such immense power. This week, Taylor Swift was named Times 2023 Person of the Year. And for those of us, normal people on Earth One, a megastar with a billion dollars in ticket sales for a single tour could be given this title for the impact she has had. But I'm just wondering... Does she warrant a three-day symposium, Angela? I say yes, whether I'm biased or not. Why? Explain, <laughs> explain to me why. There's just so much to unpack in her approach to her work and her business, I suppose. Because at the core of it all, she's an amazing businesswoman. Um, her parents have even said that they brought her up potentially to be a businesswoman um, and you really see that shine through in her work and how she deals with her fans, um, the promotion of her work, just everything she does is so calculated in a way but she makes it seem so natural. 
<laughs> um, and I suppose it's down to her talents, but there's so much to unpack from her lyrics to her artistry to her tour, her um, marketing, the way she deals with legal issues, politics. There's a lot to learn from her. It actually grew quite a lot from what we expected. So when the Swift Posium was kind of announced with the call for papers, uh, we had over 400 submissions. And it just from kind of, academics. From academics. And so it was important to kind of uh, reassess where we were coming from. And, and the whole goal of it was Asia Pacific, because this is her leg of the tour around Asia Pacific. It's Australia, uh, five universities from Australia, plus AUT from New Zealand. So it was about bringing together academics in our region. But it went global and it was so many submissions and so many amazing angles into studying Taylor academically that we just had to expand it. Because in the end, really, it's about understanding Taylor Swift, the phenomenon, isn't it? Academically, yeah. We need to be critiquing it and we just want to ask questions around it. Like, that's literally our jobs. Let's all have them in the same place at the same time in the week leading up to her concerts. So, Rebecca, tell me, what, what are those all those different angles? I look at education. So I am really fascinated by these universities that have put on courses either dedicated to Taylor or they're specifically looking through a Taylor lens. Um, and we actually have uh, Brittany Spanos, who taught the NYU course as one of our keynotes, which is absolutely amazing because she's a writer for Rolling Stone magazine. She also... Um, brings that music industry and the feminism side into exploring Taylor. Uh, we have people who will be discussing the law changes. We would have seen how she's re-recording all of her albums and a lot of those are for her ownership of her songs. Taylor Swift continues to shake it off. Swift has just released 1989 Taylor's version, the fourth in her series of re-recorded albums following a dispute with her former record label. So she's doing this all because of a massive debacle with her old record label um, selling her the masters to her work to Scooter Braun. Back in 2019, Scooter's Ithaca Holdings purchased Big Machine Music Group, and with the label came ownership of the masters for Taylor's first six albums. In the years since, the singer has continued to speak out about her objection to the acquisition, which she claims was done without her knowledge. She was like, no, artists should own their own music. I should own my own music. It's my work. I've made it. And luckily, she owned the manuscripts to her music, so the lyrics and the compositions. So she took her manuscripts and she's re-recorded them now so that she owns those masters. And kind of giving an example to all these other artists to be like, you should own your music, you should own your art, you've created this. So her songs actually, they're the same songs mostly, there's a few new ones, but they sound different on under these new versions? I would say, yeah. <laughs> Give me an example. Mostly down to the fact that her voice is a lot more mature. So that's the biggest tell. Um, and she's also gone in and 
changed some of the nuances, some of the words in her music. And I suppose that's down to the fact that now she's in control of how she's recording the music. She's changed lyrics, for example, in Better Than Revenge to reflect and be more, I suppose, accepted. So that's one to do with... Camilla Bell <laughs> during the time of her relationship will break up with Joe Jonas and there's a line that's like um, she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress which is a little bit shamey these days and so she's changed that to he, w- he was a moth to the flame she was holding the matches which changes the tone behind it. So she was quite young. How would she have been, like, 22? Probably Early, younger. even younger. Yeah. And so what we see with someone who's now in her early 30s, that, that growth and maturity, not only just in her actual voice, but recognising that was a bad move on my part and I shouldn't shame a woman. Actually, he played a role in that too. So she's crafting and recrafting her own words. And I like that. It's like she's holding herself accountable for what she has done in the past. Let's talk about the parasocial. What is it? (laughs) Yeah, so this is parasocial uh, relationships are something that we would mention in our first year of communication studies. And so it's being able to have a relationship online with someone you have absolutely no contact or knowledge. Like, really, it's not a relationship, but it's you feel like you have one. And so I use that from like the perspective of how do I feel like I know Taylor Swift and I'm her best friend and she knows everything about my life and she knows how to capture my feelings when really she has no idea that I exist. And so that kind of connection with the parasocial. That feels almost alarming to me, actually. (laughs) It's powerful. And so it's not just Taylor Swift who would have that, but it's, it's any type of celebrity who would use social media to encourage that engagement with them through their posts, like comment below and I want to know what I should watch. Like I think Kim Kardashian has been saying, what TV recommendations do you have? And so it's like, oh, I'm going to tell Kim and I told her that she should start watching this TV show. It's encouraging that relationship, but it's actually not like a real tangible relationship. It's all being kind of constructed. Mm. It's all parasocial. Are you making a comment about it or are you just explaining this is what's going on? Well, it's introducing those concepts that are existing in the media. And then hopefully once students um, are understanding that concept and recognising with their own relationships that they have, it might not be with Taylor, it could be with their own favourite stars that they have. Um, But they're actually starting to ask more questions about it. How am I engaging with this person? And am I engaging in a healthy way? Am I engaging critically? Am I challenging this person? And we really encourage that curiosity from our students to pursue it further. So like uh, Angela was scrolling through TikTok, like this is just what she did in her regular life and it's become her master's thesis. Yeah, at one point, sometime around the Red re-release, I was scrolling through TikTok and realising just how much conversation there was about Taylor Swift. And there was a giant guessing game over what's the next re-release, what's her next song going to be. And I just found it fascinating that there was this huge conversation happening um, between 
people from all over the world and it felt like Taylor was just involved in it as well. That became my master's and I kind of looked into how that became her like marketing or promotional marketing strategy for her re-releases because I wasn't seeing your traditional marketing or promotional marketing. There were no billboards, there was no radio interviews, commercials about these re-releases. It was purely she'd post something, her fans would discuss it. Sometimes she would like, comment on her fans' content as well and then they'd look into her comments and be like is this another clue and it was just this huge spider web that was happening and it was just quite fascinating so taylor knows taylor knows your social media interactions where you saw her on tour how much merch you bought from her website she knows the size of your t-shirt the number of downloads you've made that also then feeds into that whole parasocial relationship and no other artist does something like this not often and I, not to that degree. No. Like, it's really in-depth the way that uh, her fans are engaging. Yeah. Like, even crafting the friendship bracelets, which is a line from her song. But it's something that she actually started way back from one of her first albums. She would trade friendship bracelets. And so mm-hmm. now it's people will go to a concert with hundreds of friendship bracelets ready to trade and gift. It was originally for her, but now it's a way of, like, connecting with each other. And if you spot someone with a friendship bracelet on, you're like, oh, that must be a Swifty. How do I connect with them? Let's, like, talk about this common ground we have. So I was just going to say, what does she get out of it? But clearly, as you say, that's her form of marketing. It's clever on her part, isn't it? <laughs> this, is, this is what's um, really great about being able to examine her academically. Taylor is such a recognisable global phenomenon that you can actually mention something about her and it could be an 18-year-old and it could be their grandparents. They probably know who she is and would understand the concept. But then actually just referring to someone who is a cisgendered white woman with money and privilege of being able to spend all this time to create a career you know, needing to understand and recognise what platform she has come from in order to be this presence. And actually, what presence are we missing because we're referring to someone like Taylor and not another artist, um, a more intersectional artist? There, There are so many other options. So it's being able to actually understand, yes, we do kind of appreciate and admire her work and, and kind of these new promotional strategies and her, her artistic nature, um, but also being able to kind of consider, well, what does it mean that the sports news now features Taylor items? Now, finally, if you're anything like Mike, you've been monitoring every step of the blossoming romance between Taylor Swift and NFL star Travis Kelsey. Well, after his Kansas City Chiefs reached the Super Bowl, the true impact of their relationship has been revealed. A US marketing firm's determined the pair have helped generate a brand value of $540 million for the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL. That's up from $270 million in mid-October while female viewers of the NFL are up 9% from last season. What is that? Mm. Is that her place? Should she be there? And it's starting conversations, and it's starting that critical thinking. Which makes me think, I mean, haven't we all become just way too obsessed with her? Like, 
She's in the news sometimes <laughs> twice because, as you say, she's in the sports news as well as the main news because there's some political story that involves her. In order to target effectively, data is essential. And Taylor's got lots and lots of it. And on a demographic that is exactly what the Biden team needs the most. Disproportionately female, young, and passionate. You heard it from Republicans first, folks. If Trump loses in 2024, it is because of the pure political magnetism of none other than Taylor Swift. Instead of um, just commenting, oh, look, it's yet another clip about Taylor Swift on the news. We're actually wanting to encourage that. Well, who's asking for this? Is it actually the audience or is this messaging from the media thinking that, no, we need to talk about Taylor because that's how we get people in? Like, what actually is driving this? Is this all her? Because with the promotional marketing, she might put out one TikTok, but then the 300 other TikToks you see after that haven't been created by her. So it is very much like chicken or egg. How much do we know about her? Okay, she's a very astute businesswoman. Who's in her team? Because she obviously isn't working on her own. I say Tree Payne does a lot of work. (laughs) So that's her PR agent. I think she is the driving force around a lot of it. And because she's had some massive negative PR. As a female in this industry, some people will always have slight reservations about you. Whether you deserve to be there, whether your male producer or co-writer is the reason for your success, or whether it was a savvy record label, it wasn't. These days, she's very, very calculated about what she tells us. This was the decade when I became a mirror for my detractors. Whatever they criticized about me became material for musical satires or inspirational anthems. And the best lyrical examples I can think of are songs like Mean, Shake It Off, and Blank Space. There's still a lot that she tells us, but I feel like she also hides quite a lot from us. So now her fans pretty much pick on everything she releases down to her clothes um, because they're like, no, when we see Taylor Swift, she wants to be seen for a certain reason. She's handpicked her team. The only person I can name is Tree Payne, (laughs) (laughs) who we see at her side pretty much lately at all the events that she's at. She doesn't bring a date anymore. She brings her PR manager (laughs) And her parents are part of the business team as well. So her documentary, Miss Americana, you see her in the room in the board meetings with her parents there as well. Like her mum is there, her dad is there in that supportive, but also, okay, we need to think about the bigger picture here. Like, why are you choosing to do this? It's, It's quite interesting to be able to see that dynamic within a family. I, I always find it so interesting that the child star actresses, and so it might have been Jessica Simpson, it might have been Jeanette McCurdy, but that thought of these children were funding the parents and that whole, like, their career as a 12-year-old was the reason why they had a home and food on the table. Speaking of that documentary, um, her father, he worries about... Who, who she endorses. Back in the presidential election, I was in such a horrendous place that I wasn't going to pop my head out of the sand for Why anything. Why would you? 
I mean, does Bob Hope do well, it? Why, does Crosby well, do it? Does, does Mick hey, Jagger what the do hell? it? Come on. No, what I'm saying right now is Bob it, Hope and Dave Crosby. These aren't your dad's celebrities, and these aren't your dad's Republicans. In Miss Americana, the documentary, we see the thought process behind whether to make a political stand. And even if it's not about endorsing a particular party or a movement, it was just the very nature of being political uh, was being debated and questioned as to whether she should do that or not because she came from the country genre. And we've already seen the Dixie Chicks go through a, a period of time within that genre and any type of political um, comment or suggestion who knows where it could go. Yeah, because and it backfired, really, on the chicks, didn't it? It was. Um, there's there's also a documentary on their time as well that played at the Toronto Film Festival where they had death threats. They had, like, such an uproar. They had their CDs being burnt. Um, it's a big step for a young woman on her own, not part of a group, but to be the sole figure as the artist, to actually step into that world and the other thing just from a security so you think taylor swift comes out against trump i don't care if they write that and so we see that thought process and she talks through it is actually worth making that step i read an, an article in the guardian so the people behind trump had pledged a holy war on swift that's in that's in quotes. A part of that was claims that the NFL, the National Football League, is rigging games for her boyfriend's team to sweeten Democrat hopes. Is that really what's going on? There are so many like conspiracy theories um, and there are definitely a whole lot of ways in which people are trying to understand this like phenomenon of her of Taylor being present everywhere. Um, at least it is acknowledging that Taylor does actually have power. Last year, uh, Taylor Swift put an Instagram story on National Register to Vote Day. More than 35,000 new voters have been registered after Swift encouraged her followers to sign up on National Voter Registration Day, September 19th. Vote.org says that 23% increase from last year's efforts. And so all she was saying was, I've heard your voice at my concerts, now let's hear your voice to vote. We've been talking for, oh gosh, 34 minutes, so I'm going to have to edit this down. But um, we haven't even really touched on her lyrics, her poetry, the, her, the words that she creates. She's a poet mm -hmm. and she does have an honorary PhD from NYU. Uh, because she is Dr. Taylor Swift, because she has a craft that she can call on emotions and she knows how to express emotions in a way that anyone who is not living her life can actually identify with them. So um, she actually announced her, her new album, which will be coming out in April, which has this very poetic, literary um, approach and angle to music. So I think... She gives this idea beforehand as to what an era might be, like she did with Midnight's. Um, she kind of gives you the vague nature of where she's going with an album, and then we can kind of expect something very poetic. When you're at her concert on the 18th, what will you be looking for? What, what will you be wanting out of her? The energy. 
there'll be like what a hundred thousand people there and we're all going to be singing in unison we're all going to be trading bracelets yeah just that sense that positive sense of belonging adventure together and that adventure is going to span 17 years of music how does that sound that's it for today the detail is supported by rnz and nz on air this episode was engineered by phil benge and produced by alexia russell and davina zimmer i'm sharon brett kelly my thanks to rebecca trelise and angela sonsion kaikite anō